Welcome to another episode of Serendipity Girl, Discovering Good and God. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm on a quest to discover and celebrate things that are positive, true, excellent, and praiseworthy, which inspire me to gratitude. I'm really excited about today's topic. But before we dive in and I tell you what it is, I want to give a serendipity shout out to a book I recently read at a number of friends urging because they too were reading it and got a lot out of it. The book is called Get Out of Your Head and is written by Jenny Allen. The book is transforming if applied. Most things are, and talks about how we can change our thought life to positive thoughts that will ultimately impact our views and our attitudes. The author went through a very tough time of doubt, discouragement, and insomnia, where all she believed came into question. Having gone through the same thing myself, I was attracted to this book, and it's been life-changing, although I hasten to add, I'm a work in progress. In the book, Get Out of Your Head, Jenny Allen gives a number of statements to say to yourself when your thought life is less than stellar. For example, she says when you're struggling with fear, you can say, I choose to surrender my fears to you, Jesus, believing you are in control of everything, so I will trust you to handle my fears. Let's say you're hurt with someone or something that's happened. You can say, I choose to delight myself in you, God, and believe the best of others. So that thing someone said or did that hurt me, I choose to trust God to work everything out and believe that this person didn't really mean to hurt me. They were just not really thinking. Now, she has a number of chapters and a number of different things, and I try to affirm those statements on a daily basis, asking God to help me remember these things, because again, this book is about changing your thoughts. And I can't do that without God's help. But the life-affirming statement she made that I really want to zone in on today is gratitude. Is gratitude important? Does it matter if you cultivate, and I do mean cultivate, a thankful heart or not? What's the big deal? You know, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but there was a song that came out some years ago that kept asking the question, what have you done for me lately? Ooh, yeah. And it was a great song to drive to. And it was great. Sometimes I could feel myself getting almost kind of angry, like, yeah, what have you done for me lately? But this is the opposite of gratitude. <laughs> because gratitude doesn't say, what have you done for me lately? Gratitude is, I am so thankful for all the things that you've already done for me for all the good things that have already happened, as you know. So if we're going to explore gratitude, let's dive in a little bit to what Jenny Allen has to say, because she made some really great comments and did some research on this thing called neuroplasticity. And I first heard that when my son was in high school, and there was a class he could take that would help to change his brain and how it works. So apparently neuroplasticity is a thing. And I guess it works off the concept that your brain can change for the better and for the worse, depending on what you think about. And, and that's just the top of the matter. You know, there's so much more to it than what I'm saying. But for our purposes today, 
can you change your mind? Can you change your thought life? That's what Jenny Allen is talking about in her book, Get Out of Your Head. So, per her research, gratitude can be a life-changing habit. She talks about a friend who really hated her job, could not stand going in every day. Can you relate? Or maybe it's something else that you just can't stand that you don't feel like you can get out of, and you want to. But this friend started listening to the Bible while she was driving to and from work. She started listening to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, known as Philippians, in which Paul did not focus on or complain about his being imprisoned for telling people about Jesus. Now, if anybody had a reason to be upset, Paul did, because the only thing he did wrong was tell people about Jesus, and he got put in prison, as do many people all over the world. But instead, he focused on being joyful and giving thanks all the time, and that really blew this girl's mind. So, she began to start being thankful for her job, the very thing that she was not really wanting to go do, and seeing the people that she served and her co-workers as being in her life for a reason, so she could love and serve them. She started praying for them, and within a month, she went from hating her job to loving her job. She had shifted her mind from complaining to being thankful and actually looking for more things to be thankful about. She had literally rewired her brain. Neuroplasticity. Jenny Allen goes on to quote that a study in Psychology Today discovered that not only does being thankful help your, I think I'm going to say this right, hypothalamus, the part of your brain responsible for bodily functions, kind of important, not only does it make that that hippo thing function better, they discovered that being thankful actually causes an increase in dopamine hits. I know, it sounds like a drug, and it, it sort of is. It's a drug that God has already put in your brain, so it's okay. But the reward neurotransmitter that makes your brain happy is dopamine. And when people started being thankful in this study, they could measure that their brain was literally saying, ooh, do that again. That feels good. And it got hooked on being thankful more and more. If you got to get hooked on something, I think getting hooked on gratitude is a good thing, right? So, of course, science is just now getting around to discovering what God has been saying all along in the Bible about being grateful. Now, this passage blows my mind. Do you ever wonder what God's will might be for you? I know I have spent a lot of time thinking, Lord, what is your will for me? What great, grandiose thing do you want me to do for you? And, um, you know, we often think of grandiose plans and achievements that will make God happy. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, depending on what those plans are. But actually, God's will may just be a whole lot simpler than that. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, you want to know what God's will is, plain and simple? And I don't mean to oversimplify, but this is what he says. Be joyful, always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold the phone. Those three things are God's will for me. Be joyful always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is, start there. 
that's a good place to start. <laughs> those, those three things are God's will. Now, I would say the very first thing is, if you have not put your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you, boy, that's the first decision you're going to want to make. And if you like are like, I have no clue what you're talking about, or I'm not sure I even like what you're talking about, um, but you're curious, I would encourage you to Google the book of John in the Bible. You can actually find it on Google. There are Bibles you can find. You don't even have to go buy one. Or you can get a free Bible app on your smartphone. There's all kinds of Bible apps. Just search for one and you'll find tons. But those three things are God's will. And so after you make the decision to put trust in Jesus as your Savior and to just start following him, then you want to know what he wants for you? Those three wonderful things. I mean, think about it. People who are joyful, people who are talking to God all the time, and, um, you know, they're thankful. That stands out in a crowd. When you see someone who's really joyful and thankful, and then you find out a little bit about them and find out that they have this relationship with God through Jesus, that's huge. So it's not what I can do necessarily for God, but it's the attitudes of my heart that really matter to him. You know, and elsewhere in the Bible, Paul is all over gratitude in Philippians, like we discussed before. He opens up a letter that he wrote in prison saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. He is even thanking God for people who are doing things that might not be so great as far as Paul is concerned. They're preaching about Jesus for the wrong reasons, and they're hoping to stir up trouble for him. And he's like, hey, I'm thankful even for that because, you know, the word of God is being spread, even if their hearts aren't quite right. That That's crazy thankful. I love it. So the psalmist in Psalm 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. You know, you can do a search on the word thanks or gratitude. I would say thankful. And find so many verses. I'm, I haven't even covered half of them. But, you know, Jesus, on the very night he was betrayed, before he went to the cross for us, he had a, a last supper, which is also the Lord's Supper. And... According to the book, 1,000 Gifts, the author, Anne Voskamp, began her journey to a perpetually grateful heart by realizing that right before Jesus dies for our sins, he chooses to give thanks in the middle of what had to be great pain, because he knew he was about to die a horrible, torturous death. And worse, he was going to be separated temporarily from his father, and that had never happened before. But when he took our sins on the cross, he had to be separated from the father because of the sin, because God is holy, and he was dying for us. And so Anne Voskamp began to keep a running journal of 1,000 gifts or things to be thankful for. And when she got to 1,000, she would just start all over again. And it literally changed her life. The book is great. It's very deep. I love it. There's another book. Um, apparently, this is just one big giant book review, but these books are fantastic on the subject of gratitude. The book Kisses from Katie by Katie Davis. She talks about how the very poor and often hungry children she ministered to were perpetually joyful because they were thankful. It was a choice in a place where they had far less than Katie had on a bad day back home in America. She was serving, I believe, in the country of Uganda. Yes, I think so. Um, she had gone there as a young young, maybe 19-year-old, I think. She had been there once before, I believe. And she just was so compelled to go and minister 
to very, very poor people in Uganda. And um, these children, the joy of the gratitude that they had so ministered to her. And she talks a lot about it. It's, it's a fantastic book. So how do we give thanks in all circumstances, even painful ones like that which Jesus went through on our behalf? Well, here's some ideas. One, make a choice to be perpetually thankful no matter what. Jenny Allen in her book, Get Out of Your Head, has the following statement. When you choose, or when you are feeling rather self-pity, choose to be grateful. Choose to be grateful. Choose to embrace the thought that one, when I feel self-pity, I choose to be grateful. Two, I choose to believe my circumstances are an opportunity to experience God, not that I'm a victim to my circumstances. Three, I choose to give thanks rather than complain. Four, I choose to be forgiving rather than place blame on others. Five, I choose to be joyful rather than consistently unhappy. You see, if you choose to be grateful and to believe that your circumstances are an opt to experience God, and if you choose to give thanks and to be forgiving and you choose to be joyful, then you will be joyful. But if you choose to feel self-pity, to see yourself as a victim to your circumstances, and y'all, I'm not preaching because I have lived here for years, so please hear my heart. But maybe someone else out there is just a little bit like me. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one. (laughs) If so, you can turn this podcast off because you've already got it, girl. Or boy, whoever's listening, you got it. But rather than feeling self-pity and believing you're a victim to your circumstances and complaining and placing blame on others and on your circumstances, and being consistently unhappy, that's not very contagious. (laughs) And well, it is, but in a bad sort of way. You can choose to be grateful, and you can start an upward spiral instead of a downward spiral that ends in joy, all because you choose to be grateful and to reframe your thoughts. So in short, when I'm feeling self-pity, I can choose to be grateful. So that's, that's the first thing. Number two, Notice when you're dumpster diving. I mean, I just, I think that's so funny to think of somebody just jumping into a dumpster and diving in amongst the trash and all that. Why would we do that? Now, I know I have a friend who actually, she didn't jump into the dumpster, but she was looking for wine bottles, I think. And she's so creative. She's she's wonderful. So if you're listening, I think that's awesome. But there's very few reasons to dumpster dive unless you're you're being creative and looking for something awesome. So the kind of dumpster diving I'm talking about is just being negative, just choosing to focus on the trash. I used to think when you're taking a picture, if there's a dumpster in the foreground, would you actually choose to include that dumpster in your picture next to your smiling friends? Hey, it's my friends in front of a dumpster. Or would you choose to not focus on the dumpster, but focus on your friends. Crop that picture. (laughs) You know, Um, there was a funny comedy sketch that used to feature a woman called Debbie Downer. And it was hilarious. I think it had Rachel Dratch in it. And she could bring a lively conversation to a halt each and every time because she always added only negative things to the conversation, no matter what it was. It was hilarious as a sketch, but not so much in real life. And I confess, I can be a Debbie Downer if I don't choose intentionally to be otherwise. So three, try tangible ways of encouraging a grateful heart. You can put post-its on a wall. Somebody put post-its one a day, and by the end of the year, 
they had 365 post-its covering their walls of things they were grateful for. That sounds awesome. You can also keep a gratitude journal that you write in daily. You can keep your own list of 1,000 gifts that you're thankful for. And just write maybe one a day, one or two. And then you can also do something that my best friend and I do. Top 10 things to be thankful for. Every day we send a text to each other of the 10 things that we are most thankful for. And then another person wrote thank you notes. They wrote one a day and they would mail it. Snail mail. But you don't have to do snail mail. You can email. You can write a text. Whatever works best for you. You know, there's so many ways to cultivate a thankful heart with God's help. And he has made our brains to respond, which scientists call neuroplasticity. But God says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But our brains, per Jenny Allen's research, can respond to new ways of thinking and can build constructs to accompany that new way of thinking in record time. So, here's the serendipitous discovery. Change your thoughts. Change your life. Well, I am thankful for each of you for taking the time to discover along with me some serendipitous truths and positive things that help cultivate a thankful, positive heart and outlook. This is Serendipity Girl saying thank you for listening. If this podcast encourages you, tell a friend. And until next time, have a serendipitous day.